This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. The work being done in the Prayavihia province of Cambodia is a textbook example of World Team's commitment to educating, training, and discipling national believers. Through dorm ministry, internships, and Bible school, we see God work in countless Cambodian nationals' lives. Jim, Carolyn, and Chelsea each play a unique role in these ministries. So what is the ministry that's happening in Prayavihia? So our ministry has three prongs. We have a Bible school for a seasonal Bible school for rural house church leaders who are bivocational. They're mostly farmers and they're leading house churches, but they come to our Bible school for eight modules over a two-year period. We have a high school dorm that's reaching students from rural villages that don't have high schools nearby. So they're coming to the province capital where we live to study for three years. And they're hearing about Christ while we're there. And they're receiving uh, housing and food and other basic necessities. And then I'm overseeing a new program with uh, three of our dorm graduates who want to return and serve God in the province. And so they are volunteering with us for one year and I'm helping to develop them as young adults and disciple them and mentor them with ministry. What about the culture of Cambodia makes a dorm ministry necessary? Education is something that's still developing and um, the opportunities for education are still developing in the country. When we first moved here to Previhia province, which is just north, uh, straight north of Phnom Penh by about a five hour drive, at the time, it took us about 12 hours to get up here. Um, that was back in 2006. And there was one high school in a province of about 150,000 people. Um, so uh, since then, they have uh, built high schools in each of the districts that surround the province capital. Um, so there are, and, and a couple others in some of those. So there's probably about eight or nine high schools now in the province, but it's still far less than what is needed. So there are many, many, many students who are living too far away from a high school to be able to complete their high school without having to rent a room near the high school or uh, have a good sturdy moto that they can drive to high school, to the school every day. Um, so those students that are poor, um, if they were able to make it through ninth grade, they're pretty much done at that point. So that's the, the need that our uh, team was aware of. The high school, the, the dorm that we work with, we did not start, um, but it was started about the time that we came up as well to serve in Previhia province. And uh, the folks that started it asked to partner with us because their focus was education but they were Christians 
and they wanted our team to to be a part of adding a spiritual element to the dorm about six years ago um, they asked us to take over the dorm and uh, with the agreement of our church behind us to find sponsors for us we said that we would do that so it's been it's been a joy because ever since it started our team saw the value of that dorm because it was reaching into areas that that were completely unreached uh, no spiritual presence uh, no knowledge of the gospel whatsoever and we had the opportunity to minister to these kids who were going back into their villages and able to uh, take the gospel light with them as they went because many of them come to Christ during those three years. Are the families of these students supportive of the vision of the dorm? Yes, great question. When students interview, we explain in the paperwork that we give them and when we meet them, we explain that we are a Christian dorm um, and that uh, we share our Christian values uh, with the students and we ask the students to attend church because we want to give them an opportunity not only to finish high school, but to understand who Jesus is. <clears throat> and that's actually our our mission statement. We we tell them that that um, our goal is that they will completely understand what it means to be a Christian, who God is, and um, when they leave, that there's no pressure from us, although we all pray for them and really want them to come to know the Lord. Um, they retain the right through, throughout the three years. We will treat them the same as all the other students. Um, so the parents, um, yeah, there, there are sometimes concerns that this is a Christian place and they don't want their children to become Christians. Mm-hmm. So we, we do state very clearly, uh, we are in no way forcing them. They are very welcome to get their education. There won't be any favorites at the dorm. So they certainly don't have to choose Christ but we do want them to understand who he is. Chelsea, you're working with interns that have graduated from that dorm ministry and are now getting into a ministry role themselves. What does that process look like? And what's the role that they're playing with the students? So this year we had an interesting problem in a good way. It was the first time that we had more alumni who wanted to return and serve than we had room for in the dorm leadership. And so these three young women had a heart to serve in their home province, to be close to family and be a witness to them and to get their feet wet with ministry. But there were concerns on their part, as there are for many of our dorm graduates, that it would not be easy to continue practicing their faith in this province that does not have a large, mature church. Um, so they, were, they had completed some Bible school after graduating from high school, uh, sixth or yeah, six-month program and then a three-month program with YWAM. And they could have stayed in that city, which has a much larger Christian community, but they wanted to come back here. And we said, we would love to help you in that process, help you to figure out what it means to be a young adult Christian outside of the shelter of the dorm community um, and to practice serving local communities. So there's been some ups and downs. It's still very much an experimental program, uh, but they arrived last October and it's now May, so about seven months ago. And 
they've been teaching English to children. They've been helping with Sunday school ministries for children. They've been receiving English lessons themselves, learning how to type. Uh, they are doing some ministry at the dorm as well. They're doing a Bible weekly Bible instruction for 10th grade along with us. They're rotating with us to teach the story of the Bible from the very beginning. And then they're also helping to lead a community youth group on Saturday nights, which includes not only the dorm students, but also other young people in this town. So, and they've also gone out back to their home villages uh, separately and together to serve their families with the labor on the farm and the housework, uh, to share the gospel with their families and other local friends and neighbors, um, and to work with children in their communities. How are you seeing God working in the interns in the time that they've been there? Yeah, I asked them that recently, how they'd seen themselves grow. One of their answers was courage. Cambodian culture says that young people don't have a voice and that women don't have a voice. That's an overgeneralization, obviously. But for, for them to be young women saying, okay, we're going to start teaching this English class, even though our English is not perfect, or we're going to go visit the families of our English students, and we're going to tell them that we're glad that their child is coming to class, and we're going to ask them how they're doing and how we can pray for them. That took a lot of courage for them, even now, to be talking with their families and saying, you know, this is our faith, this is important to us. We're choosing not to have a salary this year. We're, we're trusting the Lord for donations to come in, even though the family is often expecting that they'll make a good salary now that they finally have a high school education. They might be the first people in their family to do that. But they're saying money is not our highest priority. Mm-hmm. Serving God is our highest priority. And so they have a chance to take a stand in that conversation. Are you seeing growth in the spiritual lives of the students? The dorm um, in Khmer language, the Cambodian language, is called Plakrai, which means transformation. So um, there's always a natural transformation that happens between um, the beginning of 10th grade and the end of 12th grade. So it's always really fun just to watch these guys grow up before our eyes. Um, that's just a beautiful thing. Um, but what is amazing to see is when students come in at the beginning of 10th grade and they have no understanding of who Jesus is and who is this God? You mean God created, oh, God created the world. It's like, I was always wondering. <laughs> to be honest, that's what they say. That was, a, that was a question of mine. And right from right off the bat, that's a question that we try to answer for them. Um, we, we do, a, like Chelsea mentioned, I think, a foundational study uh, starting with creation and going to the ascension of Christ. And so, yeah, they, they get to hear what, what God has to say about the creation of the world. Um, so it's, uh, it's fascinating to watch them grow in their knowledge of the gospel and of God. And the Bible, um, it's fun. They each get a Bible. They by the by their twelfth grade year, they're they're flipping around and figuring out how to get around in their Bible. And, um, but um, yeah, probably the most exciting thing to watch is is someone who will come to faith. Usually around eleventh grade, they're really battling in their hearts about whether this is real or not. This is true, and some of them come to 
believe that this is the truth. They start talking with their parents about that idea. And um, we constantly encourage them, you know, bring them in early, let them know what you're thinking, ask them what they believe. Um, try to make it a conversation, a dialogue back and forth. Um, let them know that you're seeking, that you that you have questions. And um, and we always insist that they've talked to their parents a number of times before we would finally baptize them. And it's usually not until their 12th grade year if they if they haven't gotten approval from their parents uh, before then. It's not till the very end because we want to give their parents plenty of time. So Cambodians are very respectful people. They um, respecting your parents is is probably one of their top rules uh, in this culture. So it's um, it's important that we all get behind that. And for our work in our ministry, we really believe in connecting to those villages and families and villages and communities. So uh, the better we can do that from the start with their children, the, the better it goes uh, for uh, an entry of the gospel into the village itself. We had one student who actually failed his dorm interview because he seemed so timid. We could tell there was a great need, um, but he just didn't seem to have the confidence that was needed to come start over in a new place. Um, and his friend ended up not coming and saying, you know, this guy Bana would really be a great fit. And so he was accepted after the fact. Um, and he had a health condition and had been told, you can't play sports. You need to be careful. You um, he'd just grown up being very timid in general. Um, and he was maybe the first in his class to become a Christian. I'm not sure. At least one of the first. Mm -hmm. yeah, probably. Um, and really took off in his faith. And so when I met him in grade 11, he was one of the main storytellers for our Sunday school group and just had a great way with the kids, was uh, engaging the kids in stories that he'd only just been learning himself. Um, for sure, yeah. yeah. Hear a story on Friday and go teach it to the kids on Sunday, but um, was really rising to be a leader in that group. Um, he just seems to have a really sincere heart for the Lord. He's so quick to serve. Mm. He's found out that his health concern was not as major as he thought because we helped him get it checked out. And um, now he's really enjoying playing sports for the first time and uh, flourishing in other ways too. Uh, but his younger sister joined the dorm this year, and she just came in with so many questions about God and so hungry to learn because she'd heard from him, and she used to be really hostile. Actually, their their family had a lot of hostility toward the gospel, and he was able to push through that and be patient and win some in that process. And now they've accepted his faith, and his sister is exploring, and he's told me that he wants to be a missionary to Thailand. He lives near the Thai border. And I think that might be the first Cambodian who's told me they want to be an overseas missionary. So it's just very exciting. I can't picture him as that, that timid boy before the dorm interview. It's hard to imagine what he would have been like if he hadn't come to the dorm. Another way that the students grow uh, outside of spiritual opportunities to know the Lord is just in life skills. Uh, they have the regular learning at school. They have a lot of extra classes to learn English and uh, you know grammar in their own language chemistry and science, but things like uh, learning the computer, learning to cook, uh, just learning to live together. We have the rise in leadership. Uh, uh, many students take on a, a room leader position 
while they're there. And I, I meet with some of those and they talk that they bemoan sometimes leading other students. And I'm discipling them in how to be leaders within their dorm when, when their peers don't respect them. So they grapple with those issues. And a fun fact is that many of the students gain weight while they're with us. Uh, they come very thin, many of them, and they often pick up uh, weight, their weight as in a good way, uh, just getting stronger uh, while they're with us. So that's a fun thing to watch them just grow as people. We have guitar classes. A uh, number of the leaders have learned how to play guitar, and they, they share that with the students as well. You know, they have a little worship team now. Training and education in Praia Vigia don't stop with the dorm ministry. Tell us about the training school there and how God is working. Yeah, we have a, a training school, Bible training school for young adults. We call it the Praia Vigia School of Applied Ministry, uh, PV Sam for short, and it's well known by that name. And what, as we mentioned with the dorm, we're trying to reach out to the, the, the poorest and the most remote places of our province. We're pretty much centered in the, in, in the, the center of the province, but the great needs are outside. There's not many resources, not much training. So there are young adults out there, often in their 20s and 30s, who want to serve the Lord. They become Christians, but they can't, they don't know the Bible well. They, they know how to open it, and they can read generally, and they can share from the Bible, but they don't know what they're sharing often, and they can't leave what they want to leave. So we developed a Bible school. It's called, you know, it's a seasonal Bible school where they come in for a week at a time and spend a week with us from morning till night, uh, studying the scriptures and learning together. And uh, so these are often farmers who haven't completed much of an education, sometimes third grade, fifth grade, sometimes 12th grade. Some don't read very well at all. So we uh, scramble up our teaching styles. So we do some just straight teaching, but we do skits, we do crafts. We do role play. We build things together. We we do all kinds of things to get the message in. We try to mix it up so it's not just teaching uh, because we go pretty long. We have long days. So we, we scramble it up a bit, and they seem to really respond to that. Uh, we eat all our meals together, and they stay there at the dorm while they're in that training period. So they, they walk through this program for two, two years with us, and now we've just graduated our second class. It got delayed through COVID because of COVID, but the second group of students is now graduated from that. So we're looking for the third now school to start up. What stories can you share specifically from the students and how you've seen God working in them? One of the fun things that exciting things to see in our students' growth at the Bible school is uh, we studied Second Timothy two two recently, where uh, Paul says the things you've learned from me teach also the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So one of the, the things that we did, uh, we, you know, we broke up after teaching and we said, go up to the whiteboard there and diagram how the gospel has gone through your village or community. And so they got up there with their whiteboard markers. There were three different groups and uh, a guy named Good and, and Mom started to write down and it became uh, this spreading out web of relationships churches and individuals where the gospel was spreading very quickly and that was exciting to see so we took pictures of all the different diagrams and uh, i shared them with some people too it was very encouraging it's exactly what we're trying to see the multiplication of the gospel of churches and, and disciples going forth within our province so that was very uh exciting to watch and just a joy to uh, be part of that 
How have you seen impact in Cambodia from the prayer and financial support of others? If I can uh, share a story of, there's another one of our dorm students that has been touched specifically. I, I, I need to still write this story up and share it with our home church, but it's specifically a story that centers around our home church because they, he had many touches from our home church and has never met them except for one in this story. Um, but one of our students named Jetra came in um, and during his first year, he really started um, being touched by the gospel and was very curious and asked for a lot of material to understand um, more about it and to share with his family. So um, the material that we purchased um, and that that uh, many supporters have helped us even to create. Um, we have a, we have some material that we created. Um, he was taking home, looking at, um, sharing with younger siblings, um, really had a passion for his younger siblings in particular. So this guy is, is sponsored by a couple from our church and who, whom we know quite well. And we know that they are praying for this guy regularly, if not daily. He came back and we had a short-term guy come, which happened to be uh, a guy from our church. And uh, he came and he spent two months, about two months with the students and just interacted and lived with them. By the end of that time, he shared his testimony of how his mother had recently passed away and um, what that meant to him, the struggle that he went through with that. and. Um, how God brought him through that process. And it was shortly after that time that Jitra decided he wanted to have a life like that. He wanted to have a faith that whatever happened, he could stand in the midst of it. Uh, and so he shared that with me. And so I shared that with his sponsors. I shared that with the young fellow who had gone at that point back to the, to the U.S. And, um, yeah, there are just many, many hands in the in the pro- progress in the process of seeing Jetra come to faith, and um, his parents. Oh, oh, that was the other thing. Almost forgot. Um, and a, a uh, medical team from our church came as well uh, to minister in our province, and they spent about a week with us. And um, Jetra's parents came to get examined during that week, and they profess Christ as their savior as well. So these were all, again, many, many people, and it was beyond our church uh, because we, we've gotten support from others that have helped us with the resources, but uh, definitely a church-driven um, event that took place there to, to see get back come to faith and his family as well. What is a way that God is growing you through the work that you've been called to do? One of the ways that God is growing me, even today, uh, this morning, uh, some issues came up and God, I felt, was putting his hand on my ability to disciple and and the need to grow in that, develop that. I'm, I'm over 60 years of age, but God is saying to me, you need to disciple better. You need to be investing in others. We won't be here forever. Um whether it be five or 10 or 15 years, I don't know. It could be a, tomorrow we would have to leave, but we will leave people here 
that will reside. They're Cambodians. This is their country. This is where they're going to be. And we need to be not just doing the work ourselves, but to be investing and discipling them. There will be the workers of tomorrow. So I felt even today, God saying, you got to be better at discipling. You've got to invest more. You've got to spend more time. You've got to walk through the difficult journeys with people and not just do work. And so I felt convicted about that just today. So that's a fresh uh, story from my heart. Some lessons that I would say over the last maybe three years that I feel like the Lord has really uh, given me a far better grasp on than I had before that I wish that I could have learned a long time earlier um, is just understanding what it means to uh, rest in the midst of uh, the busyness and the craziness of work. The more, the longer we're here, the more we see there is to do. There's, there's just so much that we could be doing and trying to understand what God has specifically called us to and then how to do that in a, a spirit of trust and faith rather than uh, fleshly pushing through something and being exhausted as a result of it. So I'm, I'm still wrestling with uh, the two of those, but I feel like I've gotten a much better grasp over the last three years after asking God specifically to grow me in that area. And he really, really has done a great job of answering that and continues to answer that for me yeah, day by day. Yeah, I can resonate with what Jen and Carolyn shared for sure. I think another thing is grappling with God's heart for me, that he cares for me in my struggle to obey him and serve him and my doubt and all my emotions. It's not about comparing my struggle to someone else's, you know, whether it's Cambodians or other missionaries or people back in the U.S. or wherever, uh, but that God's heart is big enough for all of us and that he has the care, you know, when I'm, when I have compassion fatigue and I'm kind of feeling out of love for the people around me or I feel like, okay, God, what about me? Do you love me? Like just that his love doesn't run out. Um, and I can come to him time and again to receive that love for myself and for other people. How can people be praying for the work in Cambodia? One of the needs that we have very locally and right now is for more young men to join us in the work, both expat from the States or Canada or, or wherever, Asia, but also uh, for God to raise up young Khmer workers. We have a lot of young women who are working with us now, but we do, uh, uh, our dorm uh, was all women at one time, but now it's 50-50, it's half our girls, 16 girls, 16 guys, and we're getting the women workers uh, ladies are coming to help, but th- we still need guys. So please pray that we have young men that would give a year or two to the ministry here to disciple uh, those that are even younger than them along the way. So that would really bless us. Generally, we just really, are, we are mobilizing. We're, we're looking for more workers to come out, whether it's short-term or mid-term or long-term. We're interested in in all of those categories and really need more workers. I think you, was it you who averaged our, our, the age of our team? Our Chelsea is, is the baby on our team, <laughs> but um, the rest of us are getting older. <laughs> we all are getting older. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we, we would 
we really uh, could use additional workers. So that's a big, a big prayer request. One way people can be praying for the Cambodian church in general is for uh, deep discipleship and for faith to really take root. <laughs> We've seen a lot of people make a profession of faith and maybe get excited for a bit, maybe attend church and learn a lot of worship songs or participate in a Christian activity or dorm or something. And some of those people are lifelong followers of Christ and many are not. And so for us as foreigners to understand better, what does it look like to help people really work through the many, many layers of obstacles that they're facing when they're coming to Christ as first generation believers? Um, and what does it look like to help them navigate the community pressure, the family pressure, just the massive changes in worldview, and to really be transformed by their encounter with Christ and to be desiring to keep growing? And, and persevering through all the ups and downs of life on earth where mm. it's now and not yet that we're in God's family and God's presence. Uh, so yeah, I would appreciate prayers for, mm. for wisdom for both foreign workers and for the national church uh, to walk with young believers um, and for, for their hearts to be fully transformed and delighted that God's love for them. Yeah, those of us who are here now as leaders and as we partner with Cambodian leaders, that we would uh, abide in Christ and that the fruit that we bear would be a result of abiding. So just that general that you can, you can never go wrong with that prayer. You know, we, we really could use that continued um, focus and priority that that's needed to abide in Christ in this work. Uh, our Prayer ministry has really been blessed by supporters. Uh, we share through our newsletters and updates through prayer about different needs, but I'm amazed at, as people read, uh, they get they get personally involved, they ask questions, and uh, people have sent amazing gifts that this ministry has been very well equipped, both financially with prayer, you know, people's prayer, we really feel like there's an anchorage, I don't know if that's the right word, an anchorage or a tie or a base to the states because people are very responsive to the needs here. And this ministry has never lacked. It really hasn't. And I've been overwhelmed by, I think we all have, by the support and people just getting involved, asking questions, following up uh, through, you know, uh, inquiries. It really has been amazing. And we've never, I've never felt alone, at least from a, you know, like we're out here by ourselves. Never felt that ever. Mm. So I just praise yeah. praise God for the, uh, the yeah. supporters, both financial and prayer, and just people that are interested, make inquiries and ask how it's going. And we go back to the states, and they just say, "What's happening with such and such?" You know, specific questions, and that that amazes me too. Mm -hmm. uh, they're reading and they're informed, and that's a blessing to us. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click Donate. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org. Mm -hmm.